Thankfully, with an auto owner's insurance independent agent, getting the right coverage for your business doesn't have to be one of them. So you can get back to more important things, like learning how that printer works. That's simple human sense. I'm Harold Clark from Clark Property Insurance. For all your insurance needs, go to ClarkINS.net or call 931-7100. You're listening to KNEA Jonesboro and KBRI Clarendon. The Ticket. It's time for the setup, the fastest hour in sports talk here on the ticket. Here are your hosts, Kay Carlton and Andrew Bowen. All right, welcome in to a Wednesday, September 29th, 2021 edition of the setup. Kate Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you here on the ticket, 95.3 FM, 96.9 FM, AM 970 KNEA. Also streaming online, 953theticket.com and through the TuneIn app by searching for KNEA. You can also find us on Twitter at 953theticket and facebook.com slash 953theticket. Uh, a lot to get into on the show today. Uh, really going to turn the page on uh, the A-State-Tulsa game. We really get our first chance to kind of dive into uh a-State Georgia Southern and the Sunbelt Conference opener. So uh, we'll spend the vast majority of the show today on that. Uh, we'll take a dive into the uh, Georgia Southern offense in the second segment for our weekly unit previews. Uh, Philip Butterfield, the uh, color analyst of the EAB Red Wolf Sports Network, will join it, join us at 2.30, and then uh, we'll get into a lot of uh, national stuff uh, to close out the program today. So, uh, a lot to get into on the show today. Before we get to anything, we'll throw it across the way, and Andrew Bowen has some Hour 1 headlines. Brought to you by Plaza Tire Service, bringing you the best deals on tires. Live with the Red Wolves, returns to Lost Pizza tonight on Southwest Drive. Head Arkansas State football coach Butch Jones, along with a special player guest, will answer fan questions from 7 to 8 p.m., and the broadcast will air on 107.9 K-Fine and the K-Fine app. So head on over to Lost Pizza on Southwest Drive. You want to go catch that or listen on 107.9 K-Fine or the K-Fine app. A-State football has added a new commit. Tight end Miller McCrumbie of Mount Pleasant, Texas, chose the Red Wolves over offers from Kansas, Colorado State, Louisiana, and others. He is currently the highest-rated commit for the team in the class of 2022. In A-State baseball news... The Red Wolves will hold their annual alumni weekend for former Red Wolves players and their families on November 5th through 6th. The event will begin that Friday night with an A-State Fall World Series game and an alumni social during the game. Moving on to the Cardinals, the Birds are officially playoff bound. St. Louis clinched the NL's second wild card with a 6-2 win over Milwaukee Tuesday night at Bush Stadium. Adam Wainwright pitched six strong innings to claim his 17th win this season which was also the team's 17th win in a row. The Cardinals continue their series with the Brewers tonight at 6.45 p.m. on 95.9 The Wolf. And how about those birds clinching the playoff spot? I mean, we knew it was coming. They only had to win one game, but still, huge comeback for this team this season. And this has been your headlines, brought to you by Plaza Tire Service. All right, thank you, Andrew. Uh, All right, so a lot to get into on the show today. 
Um, and so yesterday we kind of bounced around on some uh, some things A State related uh, to, on the show yesterday, and so we'll really kind of dive into A State and the conference opener today, uh, and that's kind of how we'll we'll start the show. It just it's funny to kind of go back and see how A State has fared in Sun Belt Conference openers. Um, first off, since 2011, they are very good in some belt conference openers. So that's kind of when this the the run of a state football uh, really started was in 2011. Uh, so you go back over time over a ten year period, and they're seven and three in some belt conference openers, which is great in a big sample size. However, the small sample size. Their last three Sunbelt Conference openers, they're one and two, which is not, not as great, great yeah. as that seven and three mark in the ten year period. But so just kind of went back and looked at all the conference openers, uh, and it's kind of it's kind of crazy uh, how close all of these conference openers have been. So eight of the ten games have been decided by two touchdowns or less. Five have been a one score game. So decided by a touchdown or less. So a lot of these conference openers for A-State are fairly competitive games, most of which have been extremely close games. Uh, obviously, last year, it, it's last year's conference opener was bad, and you obviously do not want to repeat performance of that this week on the road to Georgia Southern. A-State lost 52-23 at Coastal, and it was never really close, but obviously – Nobody had any indication at that point of how good Coastal actually was. We knew they had beaten Kansas, but they really hadn't had a great non-conference schedule. And then at the end of the year, you look up and it's like, hey, you know, we got beat 29 or whatever it was to uh, to Coastal. But also we learned Coastal was a top 25 team in the country. So uh, I I take that with a small sample size. Uh, the right. Coastal Conference opener last year. But... Uh, so this is actually the fourth time that A-State has opened league play with Georgia Southern. So they opened with Georgia Southern uh, three straight years from 2016 to 2018. They're 2-1, and one, and their lone loss against Georgia Southern and conference openers came in 2018. So, you know, we've talked about how important is this game? How important is it for A-State to get off to a good start in Sunbelt Conference play? And Obviously, it's important. I think you can kind of make your own interpretations of how important a win would be. So, just going and looking at the three years where A-State has not won the Sunbelt Conference opener. Um, all but one year that A-State won the opening game, they won the league. Or they won the, the – in the five years that they won the league, they won the Sunbelt Conference opening game in all but one year. Uh, the exception being 2012 when Gus Malzahn was here and A-State had lost to Western Kentucky. Uh, and we're sitting at 2-3 and three before they ran the tables for the rest of the season. So that's the lone instance of A-State's five conference championships where they didn't win the league opener to start out. So in the three years that A-State has lost the conference opener, they've gone a total of 14-10 and 10 in league play and have won the league once, like we mentioned. So you look at it, and 14-10 is not great. I mean, it's 
just above 500, but it's still solid. It's still a winning record. You're still performing well in the Sun Belt if you don't win the league game. So, obviously, the league right now is much better than it was in 2012. Uh, and so there's a little bit more emphasis on the first game. And so I do think it is kind of imperative to record a win this weekend because that 14-10 and 10 mark is a little misleading. That factors in a 7-1 and one league record in 2012. So the last two seasons where A-State has lost the Sunbelt Conference opener, 2020 and 2018, they're 7-9 in league play. So from that standpoint, not great. Yeah. Once you lose the uh, – if you lose the conference opener. So, again, I think it uh, – you, you look at it from that perspective and then you look at it from a perspective of, all right, well, we have uh, Coastal and Lafayette upcoming the next two weeks after this and it's kind of uh imperative that uh you get a win this weekend it's also probably imperative that you win given what the national media specifically espn thinks about georgia southern so if you go if you type in georgia southern football espn and pull up georgia southern's page on espn the first big thing you're going to see on georgia southern's page is this article that says, don't look now, but has UConn lost its spot in the on the bottom 10 number one? So you go and read the article, and they have UMass 1, UConn 2 in terms of their worst teams in the country. You scroll down to number 9, and there's Georgia Southern. Um, so... Georgia Southern on the cover story for something you don't want to be on the cover story for on ESPN Today, talking about the 10 worst teams in college football. Uh, in their write-up, they talk about how Georgia Southern is 1-3. Uh, after losing to Louisiana Lafayette, they fired Chad Lunsford. And then the video of uh, you know their nose tackle chugging a beer on top of the bus surfaced. And so... <laughs> They are the ninth worst team in the country, according to ESPN. I haven't gone and looked at, because CBS does like the full 130 poll. Uh, I haven't gone and looked at to see what CBS has them at, but I would assume they would be in the 100s uh, pretty low in that CBS poll. So oh, definitely, yeah. It, uh, it Just kind of going around and looking nationally about what the national perception is of Georgia Southern. It is not very good right now. I just think it's hilarious that ESPN came out with a specific list that said the 10 worst teams. I think that's yeah, hilarious. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I, they did. I mean, it's the, the national perception on Georgia Southern is not good right yeah, now. Yeah, it's, it's not great. So uh, there are there are a number of reasons why it's very important to win this game, and that one is kind of at the top of the list. That's of, I think that's the number one reason. Yeah, it's it's that's that would be a very demoralizing loss. But hopefully, uh, we'll kind of get into the Georgia Southern offense, and we'll really look more at this game. But that's just kind of a kind of a rundown of A State and conference openers, and then uh, kind of what uh, the national media is saying on uh, Georgia Southern. Uh, all right, so a couple more things we'll get into before we uh, before we take our first time out of the show. Uh, as Andrew mentioned in the news at the top of the program, uh, the Cardinals officially clinched a playoff berth. The NL second wild card. They're now the NL second wild card team after beating Milwaukee six to two on Tuesday night. Um, the the NL as a whole is somewhat set. Um, 
The Braves have taken a three and a half game lead in the divisional or in the NL East division uh, over the uh, Philadelphia Phillies. So while they haven't clinched, uh, it's going to be a very challenging uphill road for Philly to win that division. And so you feel pretty confident in saying the Braves are going to win that division. Obviously, Milwaukee's clinched the division in the uh, NL Central. Uh, five games left. They have a six-game lead. So uh, they've clinched, uh, most likely have clinched the uh, division in the NL Central. Uh, the Giants and the Dodgers are still kind of fighting it out in the NL West. Uh, San Francisco's 103 wins, uh, and the Dodgers have 101 wins. And so the Dodgers are two games behind uh, the Giants in terms of the, uh, the divisional leaders. But whoever whoever doesn't win that division is going to go to the playoffs they'll just have to face the St. Louis Cardinals in the wild card round right now it would be the Dodgers that uh, face the Cardinals in the wild card round so let's kind of a look at uh, the NL and what's going on uh, in the NL in terms of the uh, playoffs uh, upcoming in the MLB we'll go ahead we'll step aside we'll take our first time out of the program come back after this on the ticket we're not ready to go to the closer just yet. Stick around. More of the setup is coming up next on The Ticket. Thursday night, October 7th, the eyes of the college football world will be on Centennial Bank Stadium as Butch Jones and the Red Wolves take on the highest-ranked team to ever come to Jonesboro, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. And you can be there for just $5. That's right, just 5 bucks can get you in as the Red Wolves try to knock off a nationally-ranked opponent in a game televised nationally on ESPN. Help make this game a sellout and the loudest game of the season. Come show the nation how we support our red wolves thursday october 7th with kickoff at 6 30 as they take on nationally ranked coastal carolina with every ticket on the east side of the stadium just five dollars and the first 1,000 fans into the stadium receive a complimentary red wolves flag make sure you're there for this historic night to order tickets go to astateredwolves.com or call 870-972-2781 Buy free, get one free at Plaza Tire Service is backed by popular demand. Buy free in-stock Falcon ST80 tires for your car, minivan, or CUV and get the fourth tire free. This exclusive offer from Plaza Tire Service saves you money instantly. So keep more money in your pocket and get a great set of Falcon tires with this buy three, get one free offer at Plaza Tire Service in Jonesboro on South Carolina and at our newest store on East Johnson Avenue. Buy three, get one free on the Falcon ST80 for a limited time only at Plaza Tire Service. When you bank at First Security, you're choosing better for yourself and fellow Arkansans. Better service from friendly professionals who really invest in your goals. Better solutions with convenient tools and smart resources. And better support for the things that matter to you, as well as the communities that matter to us all. Because finding your better at First Security makes Arkansas better too. First Security. Bank better. Member FDIC. Where are we going? I thought you wanted to get some stuff for the party. We're going to the old country store off the Cash River in Sedgwick, just 10 miles from Jonesboro. Yeah, but we need something besides beer and wine, don't we? The old country store has all spirits now. I'm taking you to see all your favorite men. Oh, you mean Jack, Jim, Jose, and Johnny. Yep. You know, Jose's my favorite. Keep your clothes on this time. The proceeding was recorded by poorly paid voice actors. The Old Country Store and Spirits, 1607 Highway 63 East in Sedgwick, just 10 miles from Dan Avenue. The Old Country Store. 
Hey, everybody, it's Matt Stoltz. And Brad Bobo. So everybody seems to have a podcast these days, and, well, we've decided to join the party. We'll release a new episode every Tuesday. Of course, we'll talk about what's going on with the Red Wolves, but we'll also be able to talk about some things we might not always get to. That's right. We'll have interviews, behind-the-scenes info, tell plenty of stories, and have a whole lot of fun as we talk about everything A-State. It's the Second to None Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. New episodes every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast. We're always rooting for overtime round here now let's get back to the setup all right welcome back here on the setup kate carlton andrew bowen with you here on the ticket 95.3 fm 96.9 fm the tickets uh by the way if you're interested for whatever reason, the Big 12 and the SEC set the times for the Big 12 SEC Men's Basketball 2022 Challenge. So if anybody's interested about West Virginia at Arkansas on January 29th, it's 1 o'clock on ESPN <laughs> or ESPN2. So uh, there's that. Just saw that flash across on uh, Thank you. I was dying on, uh, to know Twitter. that. Yeah, that so there we go. Uh, well, we already know Saturday is a 4 p.m. kickoff, or 3 p.m. kickoff, excuse me, 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, uh, between A-State and Georgia Southern down in Statesboro. Uh, all right, so we've kind of gotten in the routine of Wednesday and Thursday is our chance to really kind of dive in, spend a segment, dive in, and really get caught up on uh, some of uh, the A-State's opponents. So normally start it with the op- offense on Wednesday, uh, and then go defense on Thursday, which is exactly what we'll do this week as we get set to really dive in on Georgia Southern. Uh, first off, I mean, I really have I really have no idea what to expect out of this game. Uh, Georgia Southern is going to have an interim head coach. Uh, and <laughs> how different do they look playing for an interim? Because obviously there has been a lot of talk about how Georgia Southern players weren't happy with the firing of Chad Lunsford. So, what does that look like on Saturday? I honestly have no earthly idea what it looks like. Uh, I do know that Georgia Southern is a triple option team, and they have been a triple option team for forever. And obviously that is something to tough that very tough to prepare for. I mean, it's one of the hardest offenses to prepare for, yes. I would argue. Uh, so thankfully, A-State has Georgia Southern on the front end of a Thursday night game and not on, not on the back end, meaning they – play Georgia Southern like four days of preparation so thankfully they have Georgia Southern on the front end of a Thursday night game which will help a little bit having those extra days of preparation but uh, one thing that kind of jumps out in terms of uh, in terms of a Georgia Southern which by the way uh, in CBS's rankings Georgia Southern is 113 in the country a state is 112 right above Georgia Southern so uh, anyways but one thing that kind of jumps out to about Georgia Southern as opposed to years past is that they throw the ball a little bit more than they have in years past. Obviously, they're still an option-based team, but they do throw it a little bit more than they have in uh, in years past. They've thrown for 509 yards. Uh, they've had a couple of quarterbacks throw 35-plus passes. So while they are a run-heavy team, they won't strictly be a uh, run team on Saturday, but... Uh, 930-plus rushing yards as a team. Already two rushers with over 200 rushing yards for Georgia State. So uh, they've shown the ability to 
throw it out, throw it a little bit, but still be a predominantly run heavy team. Uh, they've rusted 195 times to attempting 96 passes. So still very much a run oriented team for um, Georgia Southern. They state will face coming up on Saturday. Uh, if you just go by their week one numbers, they look like a really good football team against Gardner Webb because they rushed for 365 yards and averaged six yards per carry. But the weeks since haven't looked as good offensively, especially in those middle weeks. Uh, FAU in week two, which you would think, a program that has frankly not been great the last couple of years, uh, they had just 257 yards of offense and averaged three and a half yards per carry. Uh, nobody on their team rushed for more than 40 yards individually. It was not a good day. They uh, they did not have a good showing against FAU. And FAU is a team that gave up 31 to Air Force last week. So it's not like FAU has this phenomenal defense. Uh right. Week three was against Arkansas. I mean, I don't know how much you can take out of that. Arkansas is now number eight in the country. Uh, they have one of the be- better total defenses in the country, and so I like I, I'm not taking anything out of that game, right? Uh, but I am taking a little bit out of, and this is where it gets maybe a little concerning: is the Lafayette game last week. For everything that happened at the Lafayette game, you know chugging a beer on top of the bus headed to the stadium <laughs> and then Chad Lunsford's fired on Sunday and all the drama that has that came out before during after and everything about that game what kind of gets lost in the Lafayette game is that Georgia Southern didn't look half bad offensively I mean Georgia Southern lost the game 28 to 20 it was very much a game that they were in because uh, they had 450 plus yards of offense last week 280 rushing yards they had uh, their top running back, Gerald Green, averaged 10.3 yards per carry on 186 yards. I like, mean, that's great offense. Southern looked great last week offensively when you look at the numbers. And then you start to look at the drive charts, and it's, well, here we go. Two boomer bust offenses colliding against each other Saturday in Statesboro. Out of the gate, they went 16 plays, 83 yards. And then after that, Four-play punt, three-play punt, four-play touchdown, seven-play field goal. So it's not a deal where they're extending drives a lot. They are boom or bust offensively. Uh, They have the ability to extend drives, but they have become very much a boom or bust type offense, which is kind of what A-State has become a little bit. A lot of similarities similarities between the two. Um, Yeah. The sad part is that that gets overshadowed, obviously, by the beer-chugging incident and all that, but – yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. This will, I think it'll be a good game, but it's really going to determine which program's offense, I think, is going to have more success going on later in the season Yeah, because they're so similar. Well, and it's kind of the way I look at it is it's kind of the third straight week where I don't think the record is necessarily indicative of how good the team is. Right. Washington was, what, 0-2 coming into that game. They're not an 0-2 team. Tulsa was 0-3. They're not an 0-3 They're not team. An 0-3 yeah. team. Georgia Southern's 1-3. and And while I don't think they're going to set the world on fire and go win the East, I do think that Georgia Southern is probably, could be a bowl team. And I don't really? know if they're – I don't know. I, don't, I mean, they could get to six. Surely they could yeah, get to six. With, with It's hard to defend the triple option. You're going to pick against the ESPN experts that said they're a bad team? <laughs> I mean – No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I can I mean, see them getting to six. It. I mean, they have 
Troy, South Alabama, and Georgia State in their next three after A-State before they play Coastal. And then they also get Texas State out of the East. I mean, I'm not, I'm not predicting they're going to make a bowl game, but four, five, six wins would not surprise me. Like, they're not as bad as everyone says they are. Says they are. I don't think. But, uh, yeah, I anyways. Mean, we'll see. I mean, yeah. everyone said Tulsa was going to be good, and they're, they're one and three, or one and three now. So, never know. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, I, so, again, kind of a boomer bust type offense, but really ran the ball well last week. I mean, they were averaging five yards a carry on nearly 280 rushing yards last week. Uh, and then they threw it for 175 yards. So, uh, they've kind of found a little bit of a rhythm offensively coming into this game. Uh, they have two rushers offensively that have accounted for over 200 yards on the season. They have two receivers who have accounted for over 200 yards on the season. And so it's, I mean, it's really kind of the same thing as it's always been for the A-State defense. Don't let plays extend past the box that go for 70-yard touchdowns. Like, there, at some point, there has to be some help in the secondary to – not allow these big boom plays. Yeah, I mean that's been A State's biggest weakness is just that. I mean any every team it seems like they could get to third down and throw just a floater pass over the secondary and they have yeah. a touchdown every single time. I, I will say this though, I don't like the the combination of Georgia Southern and Coastal back to back because then you have to prepare a for the toughest offense you'll face all year because nobody runs the triple option anymore. With, ex- right. with the exception of like five teams. So, A, the toughest offense you have to face all year from just a schematic standpoint. And then you turn around four days, five days later, and you have to play maybe the best offense of the Sunbelt Conference with the preseason Sunbelt Player of the Year at quarterback. I don't yeah. love the back-to-back. I do it's, not love it. It's, it's, a it's rough very stretch. tough. Yeah, for a team that's still figuring themselves out. Yeah. So, it's, uh, it's going to be rough. But, I mean, I've seen crazier things happen. So, we'll see. Uh, A-State and Georgia Southern, uh, 3 o'clock Central Time, 4 o'clock Eastern coming up on uh, Saturday from Statesboro, Georgia, a game you can hear uh, over on 107.9 K-Fine and on the K-Fine app uh, on the EAB uh, Sports Network. So, uh, again, we kind of went over it at the start of the show. Uh, It's... A state has their better seasons when they get off to a good starting conference place. So it's one of those deals. Again, the the record in the last two years when A state loses their conference opener is seven to nine. So it's it's kind of one of those deals where it's not if you lose this game, oh the season's over. But it would be nice to get off to a good start in conference play. And so you don't think it's a must win game necessarily. Uh. Again, like it's like we talked about yesterday. I struggle to call games in September must win. No, yeah. I just I just until it gets to October, November, mid October, November, I just I struggle to call ga- call games must wins yeah. this early in the season. I but mean, it, I mean, a fair it's, statement. I yeah. mean, it's not if you told me if you said it was a must win, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you. I just wouldn't agree with you if that makes sense <laughs> take the middle road or take that take the middle road yes well, i'll call it a must win game so there you go yeah One of us well, will do i it. Mean, <laughs> I mean the good thing about coastal and lafayette is you get both of them at home now if true, coastal and lafayette true. both were on the road then i might side with you oh this is a must win game but you get coastal and lafayette at home and you know lafayette has definitely not looked like the preseason top 25 team that everyone expected them to be so i mean i don't know but uh we'll see so uh 
A-State Georgia Southern coming up on Saturday. Uh, we'll continue to talk about that game. We'll look at the Coastal game for, or look at the uh, Tulsa game, excuse me, for one of the final times and uh, continue previewing Georgia Southern coming up after this as Philip Butterfield joins us on the other side of this timeout here on the ticket. Kara's icing down, Bobo's in the pen. But Kate and Andrew are dealing. The setup continues right after this on The Ticket. Attention, members and guests. Make plans for Live with the Red Wolves Wednesday night from 7 to 8 at Lost Pizza on Southwest Drive. Join head coach Butch Jones along with a special player guest and listen along on 107.9 K-Fine and the EAB Red Wolves Sports Network from Learfield. Plus, audience members can win prizes from textbook brokers. It's all at Lost Pizza Wednesday night at 7 during Live with the Red Wolves presented by the Arkansas Department of Health and Sponsored by Angie Gallagher of the United Country Scenic Rivers Realty, Crown Limousine, Vision Care Center, Farmers and Merchants Bank, Stanley Woodard Law Firm, and Blue Cross Blue Shield agent Woody Harrelson. There's never an off-season at Play Again Sports in Jonesboro, so get by Play It Again now for whatever sport the athlete in your life has coming up next. Play It Again can get you ready for soccer, fall baseball and softball, golf, disc golf, and so much more. Don't forget to check out Jonesboro Batting Cages inside Play It Again if you're needing to get some swings in. And as always, if you have sports equipment just sitting around the house, you can bring it by Play It Again Sports and turn it into money. Every season is in season at Play It Again Sports, located at the corner of Highland and Caraway in Jonesboro. Gazaway Ace and Paragold in Jonesboro reminds you that whatever the project, they're the place that has everything you need. Fall is upon us, so skip the rake this season. Power up your fall cleanup with an Ego 650 power blower. Check out the full line of Ego tools and save 10% on the Ego 650 blower. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks, and helping you is the most important thing we do. That's Gazaway Ace on Hilltop in Jonesboro and West Kings Highway in Paragold. Gazaway Ace is the place you want to go. Go Gazaway. Calling all Red Wolves fans. We want you and your business at United Country Scenic Rivers Realty. If you have property to sell, call me, Angie Gallagher, at 870-219-5159 to get your property sold. Red Wolves fans are some of my favorite customers. The real estate market is hot and inventory is low from everything selling so fast. Whether you have a home at Jonesboro or Paragould, a farm or ranch, waterfront property, or a country home with acreage in northeast Arkansas, we can sell it. United Country Scenic Rivers Realty and the Red Wolves. Wolves. Now that's a winning combination. Jim's Pawn Shop in Jonesboro wants to help you with your stress about paying bills by giving you top dollar for all of your gold and silver jewelry or coins. Deal with local people who will be there for you this week and the next. Jim's Pawn Shop at 3711 East Highland has been in business for over 25 years and is known for the best loan terms in the area. Jim's will give you money on almost anything of value. You'll find a large selection of items at price to help your budget. Diamonds, musical instruments, video games, hunting gear, electronics, inventory changes daily. Visit Jim's Pawn Shop at 3711 East Highland in Jonesboro. Photo best to the past six years in a row. San Luis Cardinals baseball is here, and once again, your home for the cards is 95.9 The Wolf, thanks to 1812 Pizza Company, Angie Gallagher of United Country Scenic Rivers Realty, Purcell Tire and Service Center, Glen St. Motors, Air Choice One, Hilltop Family Dentistry, Boars Kitchen and Bath, Hearing Specialists, The Oldham Law Firm, Windlake Furniture and Appliance, Russell's Truck Accessories, Lady in Sports, Ignited Gifts, Gasway Ace, Clark Property Insurance, Harris Ford, Legendary Supplements, Orville Smith Store, Farmers and Merchants Bank, Craighead Electric, Sky Transmission, Calmer Solutions and Southern Chef. It's the quickest hour in sports talk. That was fast. Now back to the setup on the ticket. All right, welcome back here on the setup. Halfway home on a Wednesday, halfway home on the week here on the setup, which means it's time to. Go to the phone lines and check in with the color analyst for A-State football, 
over on the EAB Sports Network. It is Philip Butterfield. Philip, how are you this afternoon? Hey, doing great, Cade. How about yourself? Doing good. Good to uh, good to uh, check in with you as we are in the first week of conference play for a state. Uh, we'll get into. Uh, We'll get into this Georgia Southern game and the conference and all that uh, coming up here in a little bit. But uh, first, just kind of want to go back uh, to this past weekend in Tulsa, uh, in which A-State lost to uh, Tulsa. But uh, what were your kind of overall thoughts on that uh, A-State-Tulsa game this weekend? Yeah, I think on the offensive side, we were more pleased with how the offense came out and um, handled the Tulsa defense, especially starting out. Uh, Love to see the special teams. Um, really come to play. Yeah. I know our, our kicking and, run and, and punting game have, have done well so far this season, but nice to see a couple touchdowns on, on the special team side. Um, defensively, I think it comes down to a lot of what we talked about so far this year in that uh, we've, we've been in the right places. We just can't finish plays. We've got to win those one-on-one matchups like Coach Jones continues to talk about. You talked about you know a little bit more of a comfort level offensively. I think you noticed that more in James Blackman. Uh, you know, in the Washington game, both Blackman and Hatcher didn't play great, but you know it really seemed like all throughout the Tulsa game, outside of the one interception, you know, Blackman probably looked the best and the most comfortable he's looked you know in the pocket all year long. He did, and I think that's just a comfort level. Like a lot of people need to remember. He only started remembering, or sorry, started learning this offense really August first, and so about a month yeah. and a half, two months now, um, and so he's still grasping that and, and getting used to a lot of brand new teammates, and so it does take some time. You can see the talent there, and, and you can see the leadership from what the coaches and players are saying. So, I'd like to see the progress there. I think on the rushing side, I need to continue to improve that, but that, that's all a, a product of the overall offensive strategy. But I think we are going to see some improvement this week, hopefully. One thing you pointed out on the broadcast, which you know I felt was interesting, and really have it really didn't think about it until you know y'all were talking about it on Saturday, is that you know it seems like when A State gets positive yardage on first down, they move the ball down the field. If they don't get positive yardage, or you know they get back to the line of scrimmage on first. They're stalling out a lot. Why do you think that first down play, getting positive yardage, is kind of so so important for this offense? Well, first, from a math standpoint, you'd rather be second and five than you would be second and twelve. There's a lot more options in second and five. Yeah. But the, in my opinion, the most important part is the mindset. The offensive line, uh, which we have some experienced guys there, we need to see progress. We need to build that confidence up, and I think it goes play-by-play, drive-by-drive. And so if you can get even three yards on that first play of a drive, that can really set up the momentum to to carry you forward and hopefully take into a scoring drive. One of the – sticking with the offense, you know, one of the standouts, we talked about Blackman, and obviously we've talked a lot about Corey Rucker throughout the year, but – I know it was really nice to see Dahu Green get in the fold Saturday, four catches for 82 yards. And, you know, that that's a guy really that can be a big contributor in that receiving core this year is Dahu Green. It absolutely is. I mean, he's a big-body guy at 6'4". I know he's he, – what I've always been told is he's the prettiest-looking athlete that we have on the team. He is just <laughs> a deadly target. And um, I think he has a ton of talent. I think he was glad to be able to show out in front of his – I don't want to say home crowd, but – being from Oklahoma, I'm sure yeah. he had a lot of family and friends there. But that's just really attributing to 
not only just one wide receiver threat that we have, but Rucker, Green, Hunt, um, going with Foreman, uh, and even going to those tight ends with Stevenson and Sadu. I mean, we've got a lot of weapons in the passing game, and that, that's why you've seen, uh, I think, that we're a, a top-10 passing offense in the country, right. and um, that, that, that continues to show out and that we have a lot of weapons. But I think it, it'll even open up more if we can get that run game going. What what do you think the issues are with the run game? Because it's not like A-State doesn't have talented running backs. I mean, Johnny Lang, Lincoln Perry, Alan Lamar, all throughout the history of their careers have had success running the football. And then you throw Marcel Murray in uh, whenever he gets healthy. Why has A-State not been able to run the football? Yeah, and kind of like what Coach Jones has talked about, it's a combination of issues. It's not one single thing. Um, whether you want to talk about blocking on the offensive line, Blocking on the perimeter is just as important from the wide receiver or tight end spots. It also goes into the, the running back footwork and, and kind of their track and, and getting that and maybe some, some adjustments mid-play. Um, but it, it's also about, I think, most importantly, mentality. We have to figure out how to mentally say, we're going to get five yards on this play. It doesn't matter what kind of defense that they're going to be running, if they're stacking the box or not. So I think if from a, a mentality standpoint, if we can build some of that confidence, that'll really take us up to get that run game going. Defensively, uh, you know, three straight weeks giving up 40-plus. Uh, you know, there's still some bright spots. A-State is still, you know, top 60 in the country in tackles for loss. But it really seems like they're just kind of getting gashed on big play after big play after big play. What are some of the issues you've kind of noticed uh, defensively that have, you know allowed A State to give up those big plays? Yeah, and, and I've heard a little bit about what Coach Jones has talked about. That most part we are just playing our base defense, um, uh, and, and I think it comes back to the issues he's talked about before and gap integrity and eye discipline. Yeah. And uh, whenever you have, especially on the defensive side, it's more it's obviously a reactionary than. And, um, than anything, that you're adjusting what the offense is doing. And so I, I think as the guys get, are, are getting more comfortable with what the, the coach uh, Harley on the defensive side is, is wanting, I think we can get some more confidence there. But it's going to be coming, coming down to disciplinize and just fundamentally being able to ta- uh, make surefire tackles. Talking with Philip Butterfield, the color analyst for A-State football on the EAB Red Bulls Sports Network. Um, all right, so – and. I hesitate a little bit to ask this question, but I'm going to anyways. A-State, they've lost three in a row. Uh, two of those three are games in which they've had chances to win and just didn't pull it out. Uh, going on the road, you know what you know what lies ahead the next two weeks in the Sunbelt Conference. Do you kind of get the sense that maybe this is kind of a must-win for A-State just to get back on track? Well, I'll, I'll probably take it from a coaching quote. Every game is a must must win situation. Yeah, um, we can't look on to the next week. Um, we obviously have a are, are going into a tough stretch of a schedule, but we have to take it one game at a time. And yeah, I, I do think that it is a new season. Whenever you're thinking about the conference schedule, but overall, we just have to think about it. We do need a must win. Just thinking about it from this week. So um, I, I do think that we built a little bit of confidence after the Tulsa game after our showing versus Washington. So I think the guys are, are building that up and are going to be ready this week against Georgia Southern. It's it's never easy to play Georgia Southern, especially never easy to play them on the road because of 
you know, the the triple option and just everything they do offensively. What are kind of what do you think are kind of the challenges of just trying to defend that triple option look that Georgia Southern's going to throw out this weekend? Well, and, and just as a kind of a side fact, the offensive coordinator for Georgia Southern was the offensive coordinator for Arkansas State my true freshman year, and that was Doug oh, Root. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. So it, it's a guy that w- that we're familiar with, and now he's he's running a different offense than he was at Arkansas <laughs> State. I, I can assure you, I was not a triple option type quarterback. Um, but no, for the, the triple option side, that they run it a little bit different than what you may have seen 20, 30 years ago. Uh, they do run a lot of shotgun, and I watched a little bit of that Arkansas game, and they've got some talent there. Uh, but I think from a defensive standpoint for A-State, it, it comes down to the things that we've been struggling with, and yep. gap integrity and eye discipline. And that comes into into play here more than ever against this type of offense. So with with them just having their head coach fired at the middle of the season, they probably have a lot of distractions going on. They have that one player that uh, was suspended indefinitely because of the uh, the bus incident. Yeah. Um, so they have a lot of distractions on right now. And uh, I think from their side, uh, they're trying to settle down everybody on the team. But we have to capitalize on that uh, offensively, defensively, and, and special teams. Just last thing, what do you – what do you really want to see improvement upon from A-State this week on the road at Georgia Southern? Yeah, um, just like a lot of people are going to say, limiting those explosive plays from our defensive side. Yeah. Um, I think if we can do that, it, it, football is a complimentary game whenever you're successful. If you can get big stops on defense and um, make them punt or, or capitalize on a turnover, that's key. If you can make them punt and, and have good field position, that can really give you some opportunities for some shot plays and, and give you more opportunities for opening up your your offensive side. Um, and also uh, from the running or sorry from the offensive side, if you can maintain some time of possession, give your defense yeah. a break and not have them off the field all the time, and that's going to be key. But I think the biggest thing that we're going to watch this week is maintaining your eye discipline and limiting those type of explosive plays in the run game versus Georgia Southern. Philip, as always, appreciate the time. Look forward uh, to hearing you on the call with Matt Stoltz this uh, weekend from uh, Statesboro. We'll uh, catch up next week. Sounds good. Always appreciate you having me on, Kate. Have a great day. You too. That's Philip Butterfield, the uh, color analyst on the EAB Red Wolf Sports Network. A-State at Georgia Southern coming up Saturday, 3 o'clock is the kickoff of that over on 107.9 K-Find. So 12.30, Wolf Howls begins, and then 1 o'clock coverage from Statesboro begins kickoff at 3 o'clock. You can hear Philip Butterfield and Matt Stoltz on the call for that over on 107.9 K-Find. We'll step aside, take our final time out of the program, come back and close out a Wednesday setup after this on the ticket. Our advice, just take the over. More of the setup is coming up next on The Ticket. Rice still down. Hello, I'm Scotty Woodson on the EAB Ag Network with your EAB Market Countdown. December corn at 539, up six and a half, with March corn at 547, up six and a half. November soybeans at 1283 and three quarters, up six and three quarters, with January soybeans at 1293 and a half, up six and a half. December wheat at 710 and a quarter, up three and three quarters, with March wheat at 722 and a quarter, up three and a quarter. October cotton at 103.94, up 303, with December cotton at 101.94, up 191. November rice at 1380 and a half, down 12 and a half. January rice at 1404, down nine. 
Moving on to livestock now. October live cattle 12177 and a half down 22 and a half with December live cattle 12705 down 45. September feeder cattle 15427 and a half down 12 and a half with October feeder cattle 15462 and a half down 150. October lane hogs at 9080 down 87 and a half. December hogs at 8360 up 2 and a half. That's your EAB market countdown and I'm Scotty Woodson. Have a great day. Soil, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Soil Ship Enterprise to explore soil life, to boldly grow where cover crops have never grown before. Farmer's Log, soil date 31655.4. We've come across some strange but incredibly helpful life forms. We didn't have to travel far to find them, but these organisms have proven invaluable on our trip through the solar system. They help feed us by nourishing and protecting our crops. They've built our soil structure to make it more resilient to the harsh weather we encounter. Our sensors indicate they're even helping us store carbon that plants take out of the atmosphere and put it back into the soil. Guess you can say our living and life-giving soil is the best thing to cling on to. Um, sorry. <laughs> That's soil fleet humor. <laughs> Visit your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today and learn more about the basics and benefits of soil health. This message brought to you by USDA and this radio station. The punt is away. Backpedaling to receive it is Johnny Lang at the 39 of A-State. Breaks a tackle across the 40, 45, 50. Breaks another tackle across the 40. Go, Johnny, go. Across the 20, 10, 5. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, Arkansas State. The Red Wolves open up Sunbelt Conference play Saturday as they hit the road to take on Georgia Southern. And you can hear it all on your home for A-State football, 107.9 K-5. Coverage begins at 1220 with Wolf. House, presented by Baird Auto Group. Then from Statesboro, it's the Mid-South Ford Dealers Tailgate Show at 1, the Centennial Bank Pregame Show at 2, and kickoff at 3 o'clock. Ace Day Football is sponsored in part by Central Baptist Church, 1812 Pizza, First Financial Mortgage, Tedder Equipment, Blue Cross Blue Shield Agent Woody Harrelson, The Old Country Store, Purcell Tire and Service Center, Glen Sane Motors, Tommy's Express Car Wash, Farmers and Merchants Bank, and NEA Baptist. Timeout's over, and we're going to a full court press. Now let's get back to the setup on the ticket. All right, welcome back here on the setup. Kate Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you here on the ticket, 95.3 FM, 96.9 FM, the ticket. Thanks to Philip Butterfield, color analyst for A-State football over on the EAB Red Wolves Sports Network for joining us as he does each and every Wednesday. If you missed any of that chat, it'll be up following the program, soundcloud.com slash 95.3 the ticket or wherever you get podcasts from by searching for the, uh, the setup in podcast format. All right, so... We've touched a lot on A-State, and we'll kind of branch out maybe a little bit more nationally in this uh, final segment of the show today. All right, so yesterday we got so engulfed in other things that the one story I wanted to tell on the show yesterday, we like just breezed by it and really didn't get into it. So so we talked about yesterday, uh, you know, around this time of the year, I really like listening to college football podcasts. That's... I don't. I listen to college football and college basketball podcasts, and that's basically the extent of it. But I do like listening to those. And so 
I was listening to one yesterday, which featured Tyler Siski, which Tyler Siski was with Hugh Freeze here at A-State, then went, went, went with him to Ole Miss, then was at Alabama, then was at South Alabama. I feel like I'm missing a stop somewhere in there. But anyway, it's been around for a while in coaching. Got out a couple, three years ago, and now is doing his own podcast, and he has his own kind of like recruiting consultant agency or whatever. So, But anyway, so Siski was on a podcast yesterday, and the main reason he was on was talking about Ole Miss, Alabama this weekend because obviously he has ties to both schools and, you know, he's been a part of that game on both sidelines and so just trying to get his insight on the game. And basically that's what he was on for maybe about an hour. And basically that's what the vast majority of the conversation was about. But then they kind of got into Hugh Freeze and got into A-State. There was, there was a couple of interesting things because one of the things Siski mentioned was that Hey, if Luke Fickle, uh, the Cincinnati coach, if he goes and gets the USC job, and it, it's December tenth, he gets the USC job. You don't. Let's not kid ourselves. Like he's going to try and take his own players to USC. Blake Anderson did the same thing at A State last year. He took three A State players out to Utah State. That's a common thing now with the transfer portal being what it is. That. If you have elite players that can play at whatever your next destination is as head coach, you try to recruit them to that place. Yeah, 100%. So that's kind of the point he was breaking up and saying, hey, I think the NCAA within the next year or two is going to do something about that to maybe make it where if a coach leaves a program, then you don't get to take all your, your, your key players with you. But Yeah, I feel like that's kind of – yeah, I feel like it's kind of ch- not cheating because it's, it's not, no, like, it's not, not allowed, but it's, but yeah, it's, it's kind of – uh, scummy that's the word I'm looking for but in the midst of that conversation he kind of tied it back to A-State and one of the things he mentioned about A-State was he said look if this would have been three four years later when the transfer portal is what it was he said we would have I don't know that we would have done it but we would have died trying trying to get Ryan Applin to Ole Miss to be our quarterback that would have been because wild he's like I love Bo Wallace, but Ryan Applin was better. And it's like, okay, that's interesting. But the one thing he really said that was interesting when you kind of think about it is he was like, hey, you know, you're probably responsible for at least two, maybe three of the careers of Hugh Freeze, Gus Malzahn, and Brian Harson. which the Harson one, I guess, may be a little bit more of a stretch. But, I mean, Applin was the one that put the program on the map. And so – you kind of knew you could come to A-State to be a one-and-done head coach and go do whatever you want to do after that, because mainly because of Ryan Applin. And so it was a very, very interesting conversation, and thankfully it didn't happen because we all know Ryan Applin is beloved. Obviously now the running backs coach at A-State, a beloved guy, you know, and everyone refers to him as the GOAT of A-State, and he kind of is. But it was a very, very interesting type deal where – that it's is like, interesting. Hey, you know, you 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 alone affected the careers of Hugh Freeze and Gus Malzahn for sure. Like that's that's just wild to think about. I mean, just think about though. Think about though if let's say in some hypothetical world that happens. Gus Malzahn's not getting the Auburn job if Ryan Applin's not the quarterback at A-State. Yeah, A-State's 100%. not going 9 and 3 that next year without Ryan Applin at quarterback. That's, so it's, that's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, it was it was just a very interesting kind of hmm, 
what would have happened there if this happened? And I will deal? say you hyped it up well because I listened to it last night after we talked yeah. about it yesterday, and I loved it. Yeah, so, it was, it was um, a very, very interesting uh, interview from uh, from uh, Tyler Siski, and uh, that was pretty uh, pretty good listen. Uh, all right, so I don't know. So one of the things this morning, I just tried to do show prep and just looking around and seeing if there was anything I missed from a national perspective or from an A-State perspective, uh, you know, either this morning or last night or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I got on Twitter, and I've still yet to find an answer to my question, but I did get on <laughs> Twitter, and uh, one of the trending topics was Mark Curls. I knew you were going to talk about this. I was like, this. why is Mark <laughs> Curls trending? Like, what what happened? Did the SEC fire him? Is he no longer at referee? Obviously, Mark Curls, a longtime SEC official, he's been around for a while, and just about every game he's in, there's something controversial that happens. I wonder why. Do wonder why? <laughs> no, it was just Arkansas fans going in on Mark Curls in a random Wednesday morning. I was like, "Did he get assigned to the Georgia game?" And maybe he is assigned, and I just haven't been able to find it. Those tweets were because you said it uh, on the Workday Red Zone, and or Kara said it, and I went and looked, and all the tweets were just tearing this man apart. And I was trying to figure out like the original spark, and yeah, I couldn't. And I, I couldn't yeah, find I don't it. know. I, I, like I don't know if it was just a random like. <laughs> SEC fan of Arkansas or whoever just woke up on a Wednesday and it's like, you know what? It's a good day to <laughs> dunk ch- on Mark Curls. He chose violence. I'm going to get on up. Twitter and <laughs> dunk on Mark Curls to today. Dunk on Mark Curls. So, I mean, that's like, literally, that's all it was. I just scrolled for about two or three minutes and all it was was just people just bashing Mark Curls. I'm like, hey, I mean, I'm with the movement, but like, why are we doing this on a Wednesday morning? <laughs> why today? Someone so, woke up, watched old highlights and said, you know what? Mark deserves this. I, I guarantee that's that's exactly what it was. Somebody oh woke God. up and like watched an old game. They're like, you know what? I'm Twitter. I'm getting on Mark. Sports today. fan Twitter is like a beautiful place and also just a horrible place at the same time. Yes, it is, and I love it. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, so, anyways, that was that was just a funny thing that uh, came across on Twitter uh, today. Uh, one thing of note, uh, I don't know that we've mentioned it on these here airwaves today, but. Uh, so one of the things this offseason, or one of the things around the NCAA tournament was that there was a big difference in between how the men's tournament was handled and how the women's tournament was handled. Right. And so we saw a slew of things come out about how different, you know, the NCAA treated each of these tournaments. Uh, so one of the things that came out during that was that the term March Madness could not be used for the women's tournament. It was exclusively trademarked to the men's tournament, and the women could not use the term March Madness. Well, for one of the first times ever, Mark Embert came out today and actually did a pretty good thing uh, because starting this season, March Madness will also be used in marketing for both Division One women's and men's I mean, as it basketball should. tournament. And a new budget format has been implemented for both the men's and women's tournament to get more money piped into the women's NCAA basketball tournament. So that's great news. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I don't know why they didn't do that before. It doesn't make sense to me. It it does not. It does not. So, but anyways, uh, I guess better uh, late than never because that was uh, the latest that came out from uh, the uh, NCAA today. So uh, it was good awesome. to uh, good to see that. Also, one thing of note from the NFL, Richard Sherman signed with the Tampa Bay 
Buccaneers. Buccaneers, their defense statistically around the NFL has not been very good. They've ranked in terms of like pass defense, they're bottom five in the NFL. So yeah. uh, Sherman signed uh, both him and uh, Bruce Arians said that he most likely would not play on Saturday or play on Sunday. Uh, Arians said there would have to be a major injury for him to play on Sunday, but uh, Bruce Arians, or excuse me, Richard Sherman is uh, back in the NFL. I don't know how I feel about that signing. I feel like Sherman's time is kind of come and gone, but I mean, yeah. it's good to have that veteran presence. So I guess that's good, but yes. Also, uh, yesterday, I'm just going to be 100% honest. I had no idea that Pardon the Interruption was still in the air. I didn't either. That used to be a staple of I'm going to watch this and around the horn every afternoon. I had no idea Pardon the Interruption was still in the air until Mike (laughs) Wilbon set the college football world on fire. Yeah, he did. Uh, He got on Pardon the Interruption yesterday and called Lane Kiffin a clown and a bunch of other stuff. It. Like everyone in college football is dunking on him now. It is. It's quite hilarious. I mean, when you call someone a clown, it's clearly because he's yeah, looking in the it mirror. Got personal. I mean, like, yeah, I got personal. It's like, why are we getting personal at four thirty like in the, the afternoon? It's like the Mark Curl thing. He woke up and chose violence. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, anyways, all right. That's a wrap on a Wednesday setup. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow from two to three. The drive with Brad Bobo is next from three to six. Seven to ten tomorrow morning. The front row with Budro. Hopefully from 10 to 12 tomorrow, J.C. will be back on Red Wolf Roll Call. 12 to 2 tomorrow is the Workday Red Zone. They get you back to us tomorrow from 2 to 3. For Andrew, I'm Kate. So long. Have a great Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Swing drive to deep left. It's going, going. Another home run for 1812 Pizza Company. 1812 Pizza Company knocks it out of the park every time.